It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We're live. It is a Thursday morning on the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Welcome in from your host, Kevin Parker, riding solo here today. Excited to talk about some football, man. It's been a while. Uh, You can go back to Monday's show if you haven't listened already. Scott and I talked about the Big Ten schedule release, uh, went in depth about the the way that the schedule unfolds and, and how that might affect Mel Tucker's first-year expectations, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see. It's a pretty split fan base right now. I think there's a lot of people just kind of hoping for the best. You know, hey, if you can give me one or two wins, just move on to the next year. And, and there's a large group of people who are expecting more, who are expecting four and four, who are expecting four to five wins. Um, and, of course, you, you have your group in the middle uh, where – I think the majority of the fan base is hey somewhere between three and four wins. You know that's cool with me. So we talked about all of that. Uh, we went into a good conversation about Jay Johnson, the offensive coordinator. We we had a mailbag segment there, and Jay Johnson's name was was asked about. So we went in depth about that. But if you haven't listened already, make sure you go back and check that out. Also, if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe. I'll leave a review if you haven't already. It really helps me out as we're getting into the football season here. Um, it's it's starting to heat up a little bit, and, and the popularity of this podcast has gone through the roof since we started just a few months ago. So I, I really do appreciate all the support, um, all the, the friendly comments, and um, I've gotten some DMs, and I, I just really appreciate all of you for listening, for supporting, for for leaving reviews. It it really does help me out. Um, So if you haven't done so already, make sure you go ahead and do that. Tell your friends, tell your family, um, anybody that is a Michigan State fan, I I think will appreciate our podcast here as I I do like to put a lot of work into this. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a hobby. I don't make any money from doing this, man. It's just uh, something I love doing. So Um, Let's talk about Michigan State football here today. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. The the roster was released, so we'll talk about that. We have a lot of updated height and weights that I think are impactful to this season. Um, We'll talk about, you know, the offensive line, the freshmen coming in. I think there's some interesting tidbits there. Uh, Vegas unveiled an over-under for this season, so we'll talk about that. And then I do have one question from Twitter 
that we'll get to about draft prospects in the Big Ten um, as far as people opting in, opting out, you know, what's going on here. So we'll get into that at the end. So I want to start here with the over-under because it's a good segue from Monday's podcast where we talked about how how the schedule unveils, you know, what what could be the expectations for this season, how many wins we should be looking for in Mel Tucker's first year. And the over-under was was put out right on the number of kind of what we expected when Scott and I were talking on Monday. The over-under was set at three and a half. So now I, I dug into this a little bit. I went on to the betting site that I have used in the past, and it gives some information because I was very curious about how they would take the action you know if there's a postponed game if there's a canceled game how will that affect everything Um, basically it says verbatim teams must complete nine season games includes championship week before january 1st 2021 for action team must play exact opponents announced by big 10 by the big 10 opponents do not have to be played in the same order as the schedule So basically, if you're looking to put a few dollars down on that Michigan State line, which has now moved, I'm actually looking at it right now, it's moved from three and a half down to three. So that's that's an interesting development. But um, if you are interested in putting some money down on that and you're wondering, just like the rest of us, you know what, how that impacts it and what if there is a game that's canceled you know Notre Dame uh, was supposed to play somebody this week Notre Dame was supposed to play uh, an ACC opponent I know that um, which was postponed it, it was the first that I have seen or heard of that was postponed between two power five opponents which I think is noteworthy and you know, we've had a lot of these games with North Carolina and Charlotte for instance was postpone but i think what's happening there is more that the power five schools are testing more frequently now the fcs schools uh maybe they don't have it in the budget to test more than once a week or or something like that so what might be happening there is is the school just doesn't have the capability to test as often and you get a situation where all right, well, we're going to test two days before the game and we'll, you know, cross our fingers, hold our breath and hope for the best. And all of a sudden, the day before the game, two days before the game, you get the results and, you know, 10 guys are positive where, you know, these Big Ten schools are testing every single day. It it can hopefully flush that out a little bit. But um, the Notre Dame uh, against another ACC school, I'm trying to find it right now, but my computer's being a little slow, uh, was postponed. So that's going to be an interesting thing. But I mean, if you're worried about that, that's kind of how it plays out. So basically, as in order to actually fulfill the bet, they have to play all nine games. They have to play all the teams that are scheduled on their uh, on their schedule. And it doesn't have to be in that exact order, which which is interesting for me. I mean, I guess with the Big Ten, it's 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 going to be tough, man, because there's no bye weeks. So. Um, with an ACC, with a Big 12, with an SEC, that makes a lot of sense. Whereas, hey, as long as you play the teams, it doesn't matter what order. They have bye weeks built into it where they can move stuff around. 
Big Ten doesn't really have that advantage. So I, I don't know if, if you're confident that they will play nine games, you can go ahead and, and put your wager down. But um, I, I put out on Twitter because I was curious kind of where people were at with the three and a half number, including championship week, including that ninth game against a Purdue, a Nebraska, somewhere in that realm in the Big Ten West. And I was curious, you know, what, what are people at over under three and a half wins? 77% of you said over. That that was quite surprising with for me. I would probably take the over there as well if we're including that ninth game. Gives us one more chance at a at a pretty reasonably matched opponent. Um, but, you know, we, we talked at length about it. You know, you have Rutgers and Maryland on the schedule. Those should be wins. And then you have your Northwestern, your Indiana, who, who has a lot of experience coming back. They got a good quarterback, but, you know, I'm not ready to put Indiana up with the Penn States, the Michigans, the Ohio States of the division. Um, so I think Indiana's a winnable game. Iowa, I think, is a winnable game. You know, they went out and won 10 games last year, but they're replacing a lot at, at every position across the field. I mean, they're, they're replacing a quarterback. They're replacing somebody on every level of the defense. I, I think it's going to be tough for them to to really come back to where they, they have been the last few years, I think this might be a little bit of a down year for them, and we might catch them on the road. And then you you throw in that ninth game against a Nebraska, against a Purdue, another winnable game. So I, I think getting to four is very achievable. Them moving that line down to three is interesting. I, I think I would take the over on that all day uh, because if you do end up winning three games, you just get your money back. It's, it's no action. So, um, yeah, that's... That's an interesting one. Uh, three wins. Um, now, okay, so so we talked about the over-under. Let's get into the roster here because there's there's a lot of players that I think are very interesting that have their height and weight. They're, they've moved around. Um, I want to start here with the offensive line, as I, I always have done with the roster, immediately jump into the offensive line and and how are we looking there. So if if you go to our kind of projected depth chart, I mean, there's a lot of players that I think are in the mix for starting positions, but I think it's safe to say AJR Curie is probably projected to be our starting left tackle, 6'7", 300. Our projected starting left guard, in my opinion, probably J.D. Duplain, 6'4", 310. Matt Allen, our center, 6'3", 300. Kevin Jarvis, our right guard, 6'6", 325, and right tackle, depending on Jordan Reed's decision. Uh, I'm going to put Devontae Dobbs in there right now, the sophomore um, out of Belleville. He is coming in 6'5", 305. There's some big fellas across that offensive line, man. Um, Jordan Reed, if he does decide to come back, I, I haven't heard anything i haven't read anything recently um but you know he's coming in at 65315 if you look at some of the kind of swing players the guys that we expect to see uh get get some rotation regardless of injuries and if if injuries do occur these are kind of the guys we expect to fill in you got Nick Samek 64300 Spencer Brown 66310 Mustafa Khalifa, 6'5", 320. And you'll notice a trend here. I, I mean, everybody's over 300 pounds. 
generally over 305, 310. Uh, everybody's over 6'4", uh, except for Matt Allen, the center. But there's one guy that stood out, and that's Luke Campbell. Luke Campbell is on the preseason roster and played last year 6'5", 305. Luke Campbell comes into this season 6'5", 285, which is interesting to me because the offensive lineman, you're, you're generally bulking up in the offseason. You're putting on weight. You're putting on muscle. You're putting on power. And for Luke Campbell to drop 20 pounds, I don't know what's going on there. I, I don't know if that is intentional i don't know if that was planned i I don't know if there's some strategy there uh but for a big 10 offensive lineman to come in at 65 285 that's pretty lean uh i i again i don't know if that was planned i i don't know if maybe there was some strategy there where hey i'm gonna put on or i'm gonna i'm gonna cut some weight i'm gonna get more athletic Uh, i don't know maybe he wants to be a tight end i don't know but that that really stood out to me. I saw Luke Campbell at 285. I said, what, what was he at last year? Because that that doesn't seem right. So Luke Campbell dropping 20 pounds. That that's an interesting development because that's a guy who's who's played a lot. Um, you know, without injury. I mean, obviously he's been hurt the last couple of years, but compared to the rest of this offensive line, he's gotten a lot of snaps. He's gotten a lot of game, uh, a lot of starts. So I don't know, man. That that just feels lean. I, I don't know what the plan is there, but that's the offensive line. I thought that was interesting. The defensive tackles, uh, Corey Robinson pointed this out on Twitter. The four guys we we kind of expect to get the most playing time. You have Naquan Jones, obviously, the, pegged as the number one guy. He's coming in at 340 pounds. Jacob Slade at 310. Deshaun Mallory, 345. And Jalen Hunt, 330. Man, that that's a mass. That is some absolute mass in the middle, and I love it. Man, three forty and three ten are two starting defensive tackles, and then you're rotating in two guys at three forty five and three thirty. Uh, that's beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. I, I love to see that big boy football. So getting those guys in the middle. I, I think is big because look, I, I've talked about the linebackers and my worries behind Antoine Simmons. And when you have some big fellas in the middle that are are plugging up gaps that aren't allowing offensive guards to to pull up and get to that second level, that's really important. And that makes the linebackers' jobs a heck of a lot easier. If you've got somebody commanding double teams in the middle, if you've got somebody that's in there and and again not allowing the center not allowing the guard to get up to that second level and block those linebackers that allows them to just go roam free unblocked and go around making plays so it makes their jobs a heck of a lot easier so with that size in the middle i think that could be a big impact to you know what we see out of the linebackers from this year and it also helps the the defensive end group which Without Kenny Willickis, it's a mixed bag. I know that in a huge, like, God bless, man, uh, Jacob Panisio coming back is huge for this team. Uh, that plugs up a big hole uh, because I, I think Drew Beasley is ready for, for semi-significant snaps on the other side. I hope that Michael Fletcher is ready. 
um, Jack Camper. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I was ready to trust that rotation, but Jacob Panishuk coming back and ensuring that group up is huge for this team. Um, but it but it really helps out whoever's that opposite pass rusher, whether it's Drew Beasley, whether it's Michael Fletcher. Um, it it kind of takes some attention off of them. It, it gives them some one-on-one matchups on the outside. So I, I think that's really important to get that girth, to get that mass in the middle. I love to see that. The linebackers, since we just mentioned them, Antoine Simmons, this is something I talked about, um, I don't know, a couple months ago. We were talking about draft prospects. And Antoine Simmons played last year or was listed on the roster last year at 216 pounds. Now he plays out in space. He he doesn't play as, you know, a middle linebacker, a thumper, but 216 pounds is light, man. That's that's just not big enough for the NFL. Uh, and so him coming in and the updated roster at 225, that was exactly the number that I said he should hit. Again, if you go back and listen to, there was a draft uh, episode I did kind of talking about the draft prospects of some of the guys on the team. I said, he's got to get over 220, 225 would be the benchmark. That that would be the target. He nailed it, man. 225, that's great size for his athleticism. I think that allows him um, to move around, to fly around to the ball like he has been. That's his calling card. That's always going to be his calling card, just speed, athleticism, instincts. So it, it, it's not too big where it kind of limits that, um, but it also it, it's big enough where you're at a level where you can take on a block. You know, nobody's asking you to go out against, you know, one of these uh, NFL guards and shed tackles, you know, and get into the backfield without problems. But being 225, putting on a little bit more power with his speed, allows him a little bit more leeway there. So I, I think that was a good number to get to for Antoine Simmons. Then behind him, Noah Harvey, he put on 10 pounds over the offseason. He goes from 229 to 240. Uh, Just Lord Boateng, he's putting up uh, 230 pounds. Chase Klein at 235. So you got a pretty big group outside of Simmons. Uh, you got a lot of guys that... You know, I think are capable of playing the middle. I think Noah Harvey's probably in line for that starting spot in the middle at the mic. But, it, you know, I think there's still a lot to be flushed out there because I, I wasn't tremendously impressed with the things that he did last year in his playing time. So I think he's got a lot of work to do. But I, I think as of right now, he's probably in line for that starting mic spot. But 240 pounds getting up there. That's a good number for Noah Harvey to hit. Um, one interesting, we'll talk about the freshman, but since we're on the linebackers, Devin Hightower, he was listed preseason and he was listed in, you know, rivals 24 7 at 6 1 215. He comes in now at 5 11 220. So uh, those numbers on uh, rivals on 24 on 7, they can lie to you a little bit. You know, it's the roster numbers, of course, can lie to you a little bit too, even at the college and the NFL level. Um, you won't really know for sure until like an NFL combine or a pro day, but um, he he apparently got two inches shorter, which is interesting, but gained five pounds. So 5'11", 220, that's, uh, that's not bad size coming in as a true freshman at the linebacker spot. You know, he's still 18 years old. If he can grow an inch, get up to six foot, that'd be nice. If he doesn't, it's not the end of the world. We've seen shorter linebackers. Devin Bush at Michigan, that dude's 5'11". 
maybe six foot and he's playing damn near at an all pro level in the NFL. So that's not a huge concern. If he can play, he can play. Um, quarterbacks, Rocky Lombardi listed 6'4", 225. Theo Day, 6'5", 225. Peyton Thorne, 6'2", 210. Um, so one obviously stands out a little bit there, Peyton Thorne. A couple inches shorter and about 15 pounds lighter than the other two. But the important thing for Peyton Thorne is that he was listed at 197. So he's up about 13 pounds, which is big for him. That's another thing I talked about. Uh, previously was that if he wants to play at the Big Ten level, he's got to get that weight up because 197 at the quarterback spot, you're going to get killed out there. So him getting up to 210, I I think that's a good number for him. It it gives him a shot at some playing time. We'll see how those guys play out. We talked about that on length on Monday, so I won't really get into that whole quarterback conversation. Uh, Then I I, I do want to talk about the freshmen because there's a couple guys I think that are in line for some playing time that that I I was interested to see. My my eyes kind of went towards some of these guys and said, okay, this was a guy I saw the tape and I thought, hey, maybe he could get on the field right away. But of course, it's important to note that if a guy's coming in, a wide receiver at six foot 160, I mean, I don't care how talented you are, you're not going to get on the field. So um, Ricky White, a guy that I was a little bit concerned about his size and ability to play as a true freshman, he's coming in 6'1", 175. A, a little light, but that's that's somebody I think if he shows it, obviously in practice, I, I think that size profile is fine. Uh, obviously, you would like to see him get to 180, 185, but that's fine. Darius Snow, the safety. 6'1", 205, great size coming in as a true freshman. He's basically the same size as Xavier Henderson is right now, so I love to see that. Terry Lockett, another receiver, six foot 180. Um, again, playable size, not perfect, but playable. Devin Hightower, we talked about, 5'11", 220. That, that's a good, good size for a linebacker, especially as a true freshman. Kyle King, the defensive end, the last one I want to mention here, 6'3", 260. Plenty of size to get on the field right away if he shows it in practice. So um, just a couple guys that I, my eyes went to and said, hey, you know, this this could be an interesting player. See if he can get a chance to play. And the size kind of uh, flushes that out. Now, there's three more guys I want to talk about here. And one is somebody that I mentioned on Twitter. As you're scrolling through the roster, you know, you got a lot of guys that you're just trying to find the names. Okay, Antoine Simmons, where's... Where's Darius Snow? Okay, where's Devontae Dobbs coming in at? And then as you're scrolling through, you come across a couple that just kind of, wait, 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 what What did that say? Trayvon Morgan, the wide receiver, is listed at six foot seven, 230 pounds. I'm going to say that one more time. Trayvon Morgan, the wide receiver, is coming in at six foot seven, 230 pounds. Folks. Red zone, get this man on the field. Holy shit. 6'7", 230. If, if this guy's not on the field for every single red zone snap this year, I don't know what we're doing. I mean, Jesus. Like, that. that's... Name me a Big Ten corner that that can go up with that. I mean, you go back to our great corners, Darquez Denard. Trey Waynes, what are they going to do against that? There's there's nobody in the Big Ten. There's 
who who can line up on the outside and contest that? So Trayvon Morgan better be on the field in the red zone, or else I don't know what we're doing. And speaking of that, Adam Burkhorst, the tight end, 6'7", 260. Let's get these guys in a jumbo package. Let, let's get these guys on the field in the red zone. And I don't care who the quarterback is. Just throw it up in the air. You know, I, I've i made my criticisms of Rocky Lombardi, but I, I do feel confident enough that he can throw the ball in the air to Trayvon Morgan in the red zone, that he can throw the ball in the air to Adam Berghorst in the red zone. I, I think I could do that. So, man, get these guys on the field. I, I Trayvon Morgan, 6'7", 230. That's just hilarious, picturing him going up against. I mean, Kalon Gervin, a, a guy who's projected to be one of our starting corners, somebody that I, I think is, is going to be really good. He's listed here. Uh, I just had it pulled up here. What was it, like 5'11"? Um, Kalon Gervin, 5'11", 190. So that's one of our starting quarterbacks is coming in 5'11", 190. You're going to line up somebody who's eight inches taller than him and 40 pounds heavier. And I don't care what kind of technique. I, I don't care how good you are. There's nothing you can do in certain situations. Even Julian Barnett, he's a big corner. He's long. He's athletic. He's 6'2". These guys got him by five inches. What are you going to do? How, how do you defend that? Julian Barnett, 6'2 corner. That's a big guy. Trayvon Morgan's got him by five inches and 40 pounds. I, I mean, there's just nothing you can do at the catch point there. So I, I would love to see Mel Tucker, Jay Johnson, you get, just get these guys on the field in the red zone. Throw it up to him in the corner of the end zone. This is college football. What are, what are these corners going to do? So I, that was very interesting. Um, and then the last guy I just want to I want to shout out here, Brandon Wright, the running back, coming in 6'2", 240, the bulldozer. Um, I mean, that's bigger. That's ten pounds bigger than Connor Hayward. So uh, we we got another power again. Go back to the red zone, the goal line. Get this guy in there. Just let him bowl through these offensive linemen and, uh, you know, find a crease for the end zone. So 6'2", 240 as a running back. I love to see that, man. Now, uh, the last thing we'll talk about here, uh, my good friend Marshall on Twitter. Um, I didn't have time to get to this on Monday, um, but we'll get to it right now. So he asked the question on Twitter, about the top three offensive and defensive draft prospects in the Big Ten. So you guys know that I'm a big draft guy. I love the NFL draft. I follow it every year. I make my mock drafts. I make my big boards. I've been doing this for years. And if you go to standingroomspartans.com, um, you can even go back. Uh, we've had the website up for three years now. You can go back to like 2000 and. 17 draft prospects and how I had them ranked and um, some analysis there. So I, I love the NFL draft. I've been doing this for a long time. Um, and, and I have some names for you here. Now it gets really interesting because who's opting out, who's opting back in. We were not really too clear on that. Rashad Bateman's a guy at Minnesota, the wide receiver who is a first round draft pick. Dude's a stud, uh, but he opted out. He it's it's unclear. He hasn't said with certainty one way or another. Has he signed with an agent? Yes or no. He has said recently that he wants to come back and play at Minnesota. He has, quote, opted back in. 
But if he signed an agent at this juncture, there's nothing he can do because the NCAA is not going to allow that um, unless they change their mind, which I highly doubt. I mean, that sets a precedent that the NCAA is not prepared to set. So I, you know, people are talking about, you know, hey, it's one year, it's 2020. Everybody knows that there's no rules this season. Man, the NCAA does not want to set that precedent where you can sign an agent and play college football. That There's no way, in my opinion, that that's going to happen. So um, if Rashad Bateman, if Sean Wade, if uh, Wyatt Davis, the offensive lineman uh, at Ohio State, if Rondale Moore, the wide receiver at Purdue, if these guys have signed an agent, Micah Parsons, the linebacker at Penn State, if they've signed an agent, it's over. I, I really, really doubt that the NCAA is going to allow these players to come back after signing an agent. There's just no chance. Um, so I, I want to talk about the guys that for sure will be on the field and playing. Again, we'll give you Rashad Bateman if he comes back to Minnesota. That's a first-round draft pick at wide receiver. That dude's a stud. Uh, Micah Parsons, the linebacker at Penn State, that might be a top five NFL draft pick. That guy is off the charts good. He is uh, an athletic freak. He he's just he's one of the best linebackers I've ever seen in college. Uh, but again, unclear if he's going to come back or not. Sean Wade, that's a first round pick at corner out of Ohio State. Shocker, Ohio State is a first round corner. It's been like fifteen years since they haven't. Um, Un- unclear if he's going to be eligible. Rondale Moore, wide receiver at Purdue. I feel bad for Purdue fans, man. They-, they finally got a player that is electric, exciting, man, could go for 200 yards any given week. And he played as a true freshman, lit it up. I, I mean, I think he was an All-American. And then he got hurt three games, I think three games into his sophomore season. And then this year, he might not be eligible to come back even if he wants to. So, man, as a Purdue fan, that's got to be tough. You know, you deal with some bad football there. And to finally get a guy that you can get excited about and then just have him taken away from you way too soon. So um, those guys are studs. Those guys are unbelievable. Wyatt Davis, another one, the offensive guard at Ohio State, is a bully on the inside. Reminds some people of Quentin Nelson. I, I don't think that that's necessarily fair to compare somebody to the best offensive lineman in football. But uh, that that's a guy that if he does uh, come back and is eligible, that is certainly going to be a first-round draft pick and just an absolute stud on the offensive line at Ohio State. But I do want to talk about the guys who I know will be on the field. And, and that on offense is going to start with Justin Fields. Look, I don't have to tell you that much about Justin Fields, man. He had 41 touchdowns and like one interception last year. I mean, that is a playmaker that we haven't even seen at Ohio State. I mean, you go back, Dwayne Haskins threw the ball all over the yard, but he wasn't really a running threat. Then you go back, JT Barrett, he ran for like 4,000 yards in his college career and he could throw the ball a little bit, but definitely not at an NFL level. Uh, and we've seen that uh, play itself out. Braxton Miller, same way. You know, the dude could run, but just didn't have that arm. Troy Smith is another guy you go back to. Heisman Trophy winner. 
He was a fifth round draft pick for the Baltimore Ravens, but just didn't have the arm strength for the NFL. Didn't have that arm talent. Um, wasn't accurate enough. Justin Fields has all of that, man. He could run for 100 yards a game if he wanted to. He could throw for 450 yards and five touchdowns any game if he wanted to. I, he puts the ball wherever he wants. I, I mean, it's ridiculous. He he can be rolling left, guy in his face, throwing across his body to the corner of the end zone, contested catch, and he'll put it right on the money. I, I mean, we've seen it all through last year. I mean, Georgia was stupid to start Jake Fromm over this kid. He's an unbelievable talent. And I think Trevor Lawrence has really locked himself into the number one overall pick. And that's, what are you going to do there? But Justin Fields, in any other year, he might be in that conversation. So Justin Fields is an absolute stud. He's going to be a top five pick. I, I think there's very little doubt about that. And it sucks that he's going to be doing it for Ohio State, but as just a football fan, he's fun to watch, man. He's exciting to watch. And if you don't want to watch him just tear up college football and, you know, oh, Ohio State, just watch him against Michigan because you know he's going to go for 400 yards and four touchdowns, and it'll be fun. It's always fun to watch Michigan lose to Ohio State, so you might as well enjoy Justin Fields being the architect of that. Um, from there, I'm going to go to a tight end. Pat Fryermuth out of Penn State. Uh, this guy is a complete tight end prospect. I, there's a lot of guys that have been coming out recently, this new wave of pass-catching tight ends, these basically wide receivers that are technically listed at tight end just because of their size, their mismatched guys. But pr- Pat Fryermuth is the real deal, man. He can block. He can go out and, and catch passes. He's 6'5", 250. I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. He's a complete player. Um, he can he can beat you after the catch. He's athletic enough to take a ball, break a tackle, and go fifty yards for a score. I mean, he's just got everything you look for at the tight end position. I expect him to be a late first round draft pick. Pat Fryermuth out of Penn State. He did. There was some controversy. I guess he never actually opted out, so he he is going to be playing this year. Um, and that's somebody I'm definitely going to have an eye on. Um, and then the last guy, I'll I'll just kind of go with a group of players. If I, I Marshall asked me about a top three, so I'm going to go with those as my top two, and then I'm going to go with the offensive tackles because I want to make sure I get to all of them because there's a lot of good players. Daniel Falele, he's an offensive tackle at Minnesota. He's listed at six foot eight, four hundred pounds. Yes, you heard that right. Daniel Falele, offensive tackle, Minnesota, six eight, four hundred. I, I don't care how good a football you are. That's just a mountain of a man, and he's actually a pretty good player. So um, expect him to be a late first, early second round pick. Jalen Mayfield, he's an offensive tackle at Michigan. He has announced that he's going to come back and play. Um, I, I would actually kind of be surprised if he came out. He's a redshirt sophomore. He's eligible, and, and there's some buzz around him, but he's a good player. Um, Rashawn Slater, an offensive tackle at Northwestern. Yes, you heard that right, a Northwestern NFL draft prospect. Um, this guy could be a first-round pick. Uh, I, I really do believe that he, he's just a, a good, solid player. He, he's got a good anchor and pass protection. You know, he really sets his his feet in there. He punches out with a lot of power. 
and he's shown some promise in the run game as well. So that that's an interesting player for Northwestern. And Alaric Jackson, he's an offensive tackle at Iowa that will probably be moved inside at the NFL level. Uh, but that's another good Iowa offensive lineman. Shocker, I know. Um, so those guys I wanted to shout out. A couple other guys to keep an eye on. Josh Myers, he's uh, he was the center at Ohio State. Chris Olave, the wide receiver at Ohio State. I know, wow, another wide receiver at Penn State or at Ohio State. You know, Michael Thomas and Terry McLaurin the last few years. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. You have Journey Brown, that's a running back at Penn State. Came on late last year and, and really took over that starting job. Um, he can take any any ball to the house. He's a big play threat. Um, he's he's kind of new to football, uh, so he's kind of learning the instincts of the position. He's kind of learning how to to seek out holes. He's a little bit hesitant at times right now, but I think once he re- once that really starts to click, um, after some more time in the film room, uh, he's he's a damn good football player. Muhammad Ibrahim, another running back out of Minnesota. Uh, that's kind of a mid round draft pick, kind of got to keep an eye on. Breaks a lot of tackles, good in space. Um, you have Amir Smith Marset, that's a wide receiver at Iowa. Um, he's made some big plays in his career. He's a good route runner. Um, obviously, Iowa, he doesn't really get the chance to shine all that much, but damn good football player. And then Tanner Morgan, somebody I want to shout out at the quarterback position at Minnesota. He's had really good receivers. He had Tyler Johnson graduated last year. He's with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then obviously Rashad Bateman, somebody that that we just mentioned. But dude's a damn good player. I I mean, he puts the ball where he wants to. He's really efficient. He gets the ball out quick. I I think he could have himself a nice career in the NFL. I think he's getting slept on a little bit in the draft coverage. Defensive side of the ball, it's kind of weird for the Big Ten because I I don't think there's as many guys. I, I think the offensive side is really where the bulk of the talent is in the Big Ten this year. I, I think that especially with Micah Parsons and, and Sean Wade's eligibility in question, it's uh man, it's it's tough to find a lot of these uh guys who I really believe could be, you know, first, second round NFL draft picks. But uh, I do have a couple names for you. Jason Oway, this is an edge rusher at Penn State. And we'll talk about the other edge rusher at Penn State as well here. But Jason Oway, he's lining up at 250 pounds. And there are reports out of Penn State that he's running a 4-3-40. So <laughs> you put that together, I don't care how good you are at football. If you're 6-5 and can run a 4-3, that's just stupid. So, um, But he's he's actually a, a relatively polished player. He's He's got a lot of work to do, certainly. But that freakish athleticism coming off the edge, NFL teams are going to fall in love with that. Shaka Tony is the other pass rusher at Penn State. He's a bit more polished. He's, he's got a bit more um, all-around game. He's pretty good in run defending, but he's still primarily a pass rusher. He's got some juice, too. I mean, when you compare him to Jason Oway, it's nowhere near the level. But, I mean, he's an edge rusher that's going to run a 4-5. So that that's still just stupid athleticism. He, he jumps like a 40-inch vertical. Um, so those two pass rushers at Penn State are going to be a problem this year for, for everybody in the Big Ten. Cameron McGrone is a linebacker at Michigan. 
reminds me a little bit of Devin Bush, man. Just the way he's really effective in blitzing. Um, he's he's just a good football player. He's athletic. He he's sideline to sideline kind of guy. Um, so Cameron McGrone, the linebacker there, is another guy to keep an eye on. Both of the defensive ends at Michigan, I think, are interesting too. Aiden Hutchinson and Quiddy Pie. Um, those are two guys that I think could make some noise, like second, third round draft picks. Aiden Hutchinson's a bit bigger of a guy. You know, he's more of that run defending. Um, he can give you a little bit in the pass rush, but he's primarily a run defender. Quiddy Paye, I, th- I think, projects as more of a pass rusher at the next level. Baron Browning, that's a linebacker at Ohio State. Um, I think he could be a good mid-round pick. Tariq Castro-Fields, uh, that's a, a cornerback from Penn State. Um, he's a pretty long, athletic dude. I, I think he could really make some noise at, at the NFL if he gets to a combine. Um, Lorenzo Neal. Somebody that was hurt all of last year, that's a defensive tackle from Purdue. Um, That's a good player. Uh, Son of uh, former fullback Lorenzo Neal at the NFL, if you remember that name. But yeah, defensive tackle at Purdue. He's back. He's healthy. I think he should have a big year and get himself into the mid-round of that NFL uh, conversation. You have... Um, let's see. Joshua Ross is another linebacker at Michigan that I think is a pretty decent player. Um, you have Chauncey Golston. That's another guy I wanted to talk about. The edge rusher from Iowa. Uh, I think again, he's he's more of a run defender than a pass rusher, but I think he can certainly find his way onto an NFL roster. Uh, Patty Fisher, linebacker at Northwestern. It feels like he's been there 15 years, man. I, I don't know when his eligibility is eventually going to run out, but Patty Fisher is downhill thumper, old school linebacker. Um, the new NFL, the way that they're starting to spread it out a little bit, uh, I'm not really sure how they're going to value him. But uh, if you're looking for that old school Mike linebacker, that's your guy. And then obviously I got to shout out our, our Michigan State guys as well. I think Antoine Simmons and Naquan Jones are real NFL draft prospects. These are guys I expect to go in the third, fourth rounds of the, of the NFL draft. We've seen, you know, it's it's all fourth-round pick, whatever. Kari Willis was a fourth-round pick. That dude is making plays in Indianapolis right now for the Colts. Is there starting uh, strong safety? He had an interception last week. He had like eight tackles week one. That dude's a player, and that was a fourth-round draft pick who's locked in as a starter there. Xavier Henderson, I think, is a real NFL draft prospect, uh, somebody that I do kind of expect to come back to school. Uh, next year, I, I would be kind of surprised if he came out this year, but th- that's a real NFL draft prospect right there. So I, I think we do have some guys that that project favorably to the NFL uh, at Michigan State on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe Jacob Panishuk can get his name into there, but um, he's more of, I think, the the late you know seventh round flyer, probably undrafted free agent. You know, we think about Kenny Willekes was a seventh round pick. Um, it's it's really tough as an edge rusher to get your name into the NFL if you don't have that freaky athleticism. Uh, it's it's tough. So um, that that's kind of where I wanted to go with that. Give you some names to follow as you're kind of watching around the Big Ten. You know, who who are some guys to keep an eye on? Some of the best players around the conference. I wanted to make sure we got to that question from Marshall. And, of course, it's it's a very passionate talk topic of mine talking about the NFL draft. So 
that's it for today's show. Thank you guys so much, seriously, for for the support, for listening. I, I really do appreciate it. One more time, uh, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. It really helps me. Tell your friends, tell your family, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Uh, but we will be back Monday morning. Uh, not exactly sure what we'll talk about here, but like I said uh, last week, we will be back to the twice a week, uh, every week throughout the football season. Mondays, we will recap the game. We'll talk about everything. I have danced around in my head. We might go live on Twitter right after the game. Uh, I might do like 30 minutes live on Twitter if you guys want to give me your hot takes about the game, give me any questions you have about the game, and we'll just chat. You know, we'll, we'll have that immediate reaction to what we just saw uh, every week. I, I've danced around that idea. So so follow on Twitter at Standing Room MSU, and, and we'll make sure to update you with that. But I, I think that might be in the works. Um, follow on Instagram at Standing Room Spartans as well. Uh, we, we might go live on Instagram too. Uh, but yeah, the, there's a lot of things that I've danced around with going live right after the games. But certainly as far as the, the regular podcast goes, Mondays will will be more of a recap uh, of what we saw of some of the big plays. We'll give out some like helmet stickers and, and talk about so you know who really made an impact, um, things like that. What we saw from the coaching staff and and schemes and all that kind of fun stuff. Thursdays will be more of a preview. You know, if if I go back, you know, there might be a, a short. You know, hey, I, I went back and rewatched the game, and I just really wanted to point out this that I saw last week but it'll be primarily a preview of the next week's game we'll go into the opponent that we're playing how we match up some some individual matchups to watch you know hey this wide receiver versus cornerback matchup is going to be really interesting hey this you know they got an offensive tackle that's really good i want to see how he matches up with jacob panishuk coming around the edge something like that so um, that's kind of how we'll break it down uh, but, you know, of course, there, there's still like five weeks to go. We got plenty of time here uh, to talk about all of that. So have yourselves a phenomenal day. Have yourselves a phenomenal weekend. And I look forward to he- seeing you, hearing from you, you hearing from me on Monday morning. Take care, folks. Have a great weekend.